Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What a crazy, crazy weekend. And we're all happy over here. A tremendous North London derby for some, maybe not for others. A five-goal thriller, by the way, between Lazio and Roma. Pe Guardiola finally gets one over Thomas Tuchel. We have this and so much more. Jimmy Conrad in the house. Heath Pierce in the house. Weekend recap begins right now. Everybody, welcome to our weekend recap. Kego Lasso, an absolute pleasure to see you all. We're all so happy over here. Aston Villa wins, Arsenal wins, Newcastle doesn't lose. That's good enough for them. Jimmy will file in in a second, but we're all so happy. Thank you so much for watching live on YouTube with us. By the way, if you have a comment or a question, anything that you want to say, Please say it. We'll put it on the screen and we will make a comment, maybe answer your question. If you're making fun of any of us, please do so. If you're a Manchester United fan, come because I'm ready for you. Like <laughs> Divo Martinez, I am ready for you. And so is Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. Let's go with Heath Pierce first. I always go to Jimmy. He felt a bit bad last time. Heath Pierce, you're a happy man. How are you, bud? Oh, you already know. I'm good. I'm in a good, I'm in a good place. You can skip over any wasted uh, air or breath right now. I am good. You're like super, you're like uh, the big Lebowski, just super chill, mm -hmm. drinking your white Russian. You're very happy. Yeah, man. I'm the dude. Uh, I'm the dude, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's like your opinion, man. All right. So Jimmy Conrad, how are you, brother? I got a beverage here, man. You know, so just, just relax. No, I'm holding my Darth Vader teacup. So, so I'm doing fine. A uh, lots to talk about, lots to dive into, lots of intrigue and, and drama as it were. And the clubs that I support, Roma. Atletico Madrid both lost. Newcastle, as you mentioned, didn't. So I don't know how I feel. Pretty uneven weekend for the teams I support. That said, I want to get into it because there's a lot to, to unpack here. There is. There is a lot to unpack. And of course, we welcome Jimmy and Heath for our weekend recap. And thank you once again for being part of your listening this to an audio, by the way. Thank you, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. But YouTube is where we get going and we begin, of course, in the North London Derby as Arsenal take care of business in a very impressive way they beat tottenham 3-1 that first half to me was probably the best i've seen arsenal i don't know in like 10 years it was tremendous and despite the slight fight from tottenham and they got to go back in the second half it was all about the gunners everybody happy uh from the arsenal point of view but we're gonna get into it everybody by the way uh we do have a screen share i want to share we 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 did ask who needed to win the North London Derby more. And I believe Des, you have it up here. You're going to show it to us. We did ask everybody who wanted, who had to win this one more. And Mikel Arteta was clearly ahead here, nearly 70%. And uh, I believe uh, we all said that as well, Jimmy. I believe I asked you and you, you answered that as well. But Nuno with 32%. By the way, I don't know now in terms of Nuno because his job, three straight defeats conceding in the league, three goals. Let's begin with the Arsenal fan. I just want to see their happiness here. Mm -hmm. Heath, how, how are you feeling about this one? I feel great because uh, there was something about that game, the energy. You know, and Jimmy knows this. When you get into a locker room and things are going wrong and you have a lot of big egos, whether that's Lacazette, whether that's Obama Yang, whether that's just other uh, experienced players, Shaka, whoever it might be, it's easy for them to sort of have an ego and sort of brush off when times are tough and go, oh, I've done it before, I've been there before, or whatever, this or that. And that can have a really negative impact on your young players. And it looks like now, and I was probably holding uh, Aubameyang to a different standard than maybe I should because I'm not in that locker room, of just feeling like, oh, this is a guy who sort of, you know, through playing for himself, achieves wins for the team. And, you know, he's a big kind of outlandish guy. And, and I saw... I just saw a different energy from him that I think set the tone for these young players. I'm now seeing this belief that that it doesn't have to be beautiful. I mean, when you add Smith Rowe, when you add Odegaard, guys like that who I think bring a different level of technique and quality in, in tough spots on the field and the half spaces, which I like to talk about a lot, it makes it tough to play against. And so 
overall, it, it just seems like they're almost rounding a corner. Now, I, I may be speaking too soon because I think the second half still showed glimpses. Of course, they're up 3-0. It's hard to keep on it. But I think that was a real opportunity to show, show a full stretch to not allow a team back in, which they did for the most part. But there was still a few flashes that I was concerned about. But overall, just that energy, you know, I, I and, and I, I know I've been harping on this in all games and all leagues recently, including uh, when, when it's the national team break, but that energy can be really infectious. And I think we've moved away from that. A lot of teams have moved away from that. And when these young players get empowered to just at a minimum fight, uh, good things are happening for Arsenal. And so, yeah, overall, uh, oh, look at that. The old Thierry Henry uh, slide on the screen right there. You think oh. he knew it, though? He, did, he do, did he do it on purpose? Because Thierry Henry was there with uh, Daniel Ek, right? The uh, Spotify. Is it Ek? Is that how you say it? I don't know. Ek? Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be Ek. Yeah. Uh, but Ek. yeah, I, I, he, he had to do it. I mean, and, and then you saw Thierry with the, with the throwback JVC on the shirt jersey. I just think that it was. <laughs> and, and by the way, I, I, be, before I, I wrap up my thought. Just the atmosphere and everything. You know, my my sister is on on Broadway, and she just opened up Broadway again recently. Uh, she's she really? the Elphaba. Okay. Yeah, she's Elphaba uh, on Wicked on Broadway. That's, oh that's, the, that's quite yeah. a flex. Yeah, nice, it's, thanks, it's a huge thanks. flex. It's the main role. She gets all the songs. And I got to see I her right before it. the pandemic. But uh, when it came back, she she was, like, calling my mom crying about, oh, my gosh, like, it was – Every song, the people were on their feet, like 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 cheering and standing ovation, which is uh, rare in, in, in theater, right? And I feel like we saw the same thing at the Emirates where there was just this atmosphere, this belief. It was like been sorrow. We've all been through so much. And Arsenal fans, it felt like they just haven't had a chance to round the corner. This was their sort of moment to round the corner in so many ways, both personal, professional, and then on a sporting front, that just all of that culminated in something really unique and special that I think is much bigger than the scoreline or the way the team played. I just think for the Arsenal fan base, it was just this moment of perfection. Yeah, I'm going to jump in and, and concur with those sentiments from Heath, especially from the emotional side of things. I'm going to look at it from the angle of teams and their starting 11s that they're searching for, their best starting 11s that they're searching for. And we see teams, and we saw with Andrea Pirlo and Juventus last season where he made what made me, he made, didn't have the same starting lineup in back-to-back games the whole Serie A season. Now, of course, he's got injury concerns and all that type of stuff. But did he ever really identify what his best 11 was and then actually allowed that best 11 to grow and, and, to, and to build rapport and to build off of that, that stability that you have when you have the same starting 11? And when I watched this game today, what I saw from Arsenal was, I think right now, this is Mikel Arteta's best starting 11. And they played like it. And it looked like they were out there supporting each other. And, and that, as much as I, I give Arsenal fans a hard time, including Heath, about their false hope and how they, their expectations are way out of whack. This starting 11 that I saw today, if they can stay healthy and in that formation and continue that energy and enthusiasm that they looked like they had for each other out there, they could go a long way. And I think they could really push to, to obviously get back in the top six, but maybe even try to find a team that's in the top four that we all expect to be in the pop, top four to trip up a little bit. This Arsenal team is very good. And, and Ramsdale being in, Tomiyasu at right back, very solid. Ben White and Gabriel, two very, very good center backs. Ben White's uh, long passing can really help them unlock some things as well. And then if Tierney stays healthy, the double pivot of party and Jaka, and then you have those three youngsters and Aubameyang. And you got, look at that bench though. That just pushes it to Lacazette, Nicola Pepe, Martinelli. I mean, you got, You've got a team now, and, and I think maybe that's what Arteta was missing at the beginning. Just didn't have any options because he just didn't have all those guys available. So I'm curious what, to what this Arsenal look, team looks like over the next month if he sticks with the same 11 and allows them to grow together and build off of this. And not everybody's going to be happy to Heath's point about Lacazette's probably going to be pissed, Pepe's going to be pissed. But there are teams that still exist now, even with the top, top clubs in the world, that still don't know who their best 11 is. And I'm looking at you, PSG. We'll get into you. A little bit. <laughs> we will get into you, PSG. <laughs> the first half, by the way, I thought was the best I've seen Arsenal Agreed. in a very, very long time. They were direct. You know what? They didn't care about gambling. They wanted to go direct sometimes. The counter was great. They were aggressive. To your point, Jimmy, I thought the starting 11 was perfect. Everybody was clicking, but they were there for each other. They were there for each other. And to Heath's point, when you have the energy of the Emirates just behind you, that's what can happen. A college friend of mine on Twitter said, uh, what about uh, Arteta? You said he'll be fired by Christmas. First of all, I said that before the beginning of the season. Second of all, that was the sentiment by almost everybody up to up to the international break. And there was clearly a good reason to say it. So, all right. Third of all, it's <laughs> September. I do want to say it was an amazing performance. 
But I wonder how much that was buoyed or supported by the fact that it was Tottenham on the other side, right? Because I want to know now what you do when you play, you know, Burnley away, although they just beat them. So that's a bad example. But, you know, when they play like Palace away or somebody and they keep it consistent, they create a consistent rhythm. Then I will say, okay, but today, definitely for like 70 minutes, I was ridiculously impressed. Uh, final thoughts here, Heath. I'll jump to you, but I do want to talk about Tottenham because Nuno Spiritu Santo isn't like I, I, he's walking on thin ice right now. Three league games conceded three goals. It, it's not good. I, I, the first half was semi-professional stuff. I thought. Yeah, my 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 final thought on 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 Arsenal, by the way, was like James James Ben said in 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 the preview, which is it is the North London derby, right? They get up for it, whether whether they get up for it and get battered or not, yes, it is something have, special. Yeah. All bets are off, type of type of thing. Uh, yeah. with, with regard to to Spurs, this this I think right now is living outside of the realm of this team. I think a lot of that falls on uh, Nuno Spiritu Santo and and what he's doing with the squad. Obviously, they're still a somewhat depleted. But this goes down to Harry Kane to me and and the organization and how they let this moment, who is their biggest name probably ever at Spurs, or at least in the modern era at Spurs, uh, allow this type of disruption and then all of it fall through in the end and then see it sort of bouncing back like this. A friend of mine, a friend of mine tweeted today that it looks like uh, Spurs and Harry Kane stayed together for the kids type of thing, you know, where it's mm -hmm. like the, the marriage is broken, but they just did it for the kids. And you could just tell yeah. it's a little bit empty now. And I don't think Harry Kane's that kind of guy, but you could see at times when he just looked down, it just sort of was like this whole like, oh man, everything's going wrong. And I don't think it's my attitude. I don't like, you could just see in his face of just like confusion. Well. Yeah. Like yeah, of just like this doesn't happen normally. And he goes back, he tracks back, make a tackle and then they score against him. And you're like, man, Normally that track back is, is a value and it's like this big motivator for the team. Uh, but it's just when it, when it, when it rains, it pours for them right now. And I just think he's a major distraction. Uh, and I don't think it's a personality type thing. I just think that there may have been one, it may have gone one step too far that I, I think they're going to have trouble coming back from uh, if they're going to if they're going to rely on having to be sitting deep and countering against teams right now. Yeah. I'm going to jump in and just talk about Nuno. I didn't think he got his necessarily his tactics Right. I think he just missed out on his starting 11. When I saw that Deli Ali and Ndombele were starting at the same time, I'm like, this guy's, he's going for it. I mean, he's hes trying to provide some options and some capacity and leaving Hoiberg by himself, trying to manage three very spry youngsters that like to find those half spaces, as Heath likes to talk about. And, and he's going to be chasing ghosts. And we saw a little bit of that where Hoiberg needed to have some help. And when Skip came in, Oliver Skip came in, they were better balanced. They were just a better balanced team. You didn't, you weren't hoping. We talk about this a lot. We hope this player works out in this position. But in Dombele and Deli Ali at the same time on the field, that's a big risk, especially if they're not giving you anything going the other direction. Now, if it's one thing, if they're sitting around finding those pockets of space and troubling Arsenal because they're just lounging in those spaces, as Hemesi likes to do in a lot of different ways, but occupying and getting a lot of attention, that's one thing. But when the other team's overrunning you and now you're down three goals at halftime, it, it, that clearly those tactics didn't work. So I think that Nuno, even though maybe his heart was in the right place, took a big risk with that. And I think that they got punished for it, especially in midfield. They just couldn't keep up with that midfield in, in so many different ways. And Hoiberg could only do so much at some point. I will say very quickly about Spurs. There was a foul by Granit Xhaka and Hoiberg for that second goal before Bar uh, they turned into Barcelona with Xavi and Iniesta. So, so there were a couple plays they could have you know, some gripes about. But overall, I thought Arsenal deserved to be to win. They were the better team. And now I want to see, we talked about Arsenal's next month, Spurs. I mean, what's going to happen with Nuno Espino? I, I like him. He seems like a player manager. But everybody's not your friend when you don't win, right? You still have to figure out, are my, are my words ringing hollow in the locker room? And, and I'm curious as to what he's going to do. I would love, as, as somebody that loves to coach myself, I want, I'd love to be a part of this to see how he, how he, essentially finesses his team to get back up to feeling good about themselves, starting with Harry Kane. Yeah, well, next up is the mighty Villa for uh, <laughs> the leagues. Let's see what happens. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to Italy because we're going to go from big game to big game. Uh, a five-goal thriller in this one. Maurizio Sarri against Jose Mourinho and Lazio win 3-2 Mourinho, by the way, and the post-presser was upset. I get it's the honeymoon over, I wonder. I'm not sure, but the drama was there. A another thriller. We're going to talk about Serie A later, but another fantastic game for the neutral at the very least. Let's share this other Twitter poll, which we asked as well. 
who has a better squad of players? Because obviously both sides, very talented. They brought in a few players in in the summer, of course. But who has a better squad of players? And uh, clearly, uh, Mourinho took uh, the charge. It was 63.6% saying so Roma has the better squad of players. I wonder if that's just thinking a little too much about, you know, some new players that came in, Tommy Abraham, etc. Because Lazio's team is really freaking good. I just don't think they're as known uh, around. But Jimmy, let's jump to you. Lazio Roma, Lazio with three to a, a massive win for Saribu and Saribo and disappointingly uh, a loss for Mourinho and Roma for you. Yeah, excited for Lazio, blah, 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 blah. You know what I'm pissed about? You know what I'm pissed about? Listen, listen, what I'm going to say is uh, Pedro played yep, for, for Roma for a few yep. seasons. Yeah, was the first player to, to go from Roma to their hated rivals Lazio in like 30 years. Dude scores and then celebrates. Like I oh, got yeah. no, I got no time oh, for that. No, no, dude. He I was got no time for that. He was there for a year. Like he, yeah, it, he, he, he was there for a year, and then he was and he was outcasted. He wasn't put in any of the preseason games. That was a binge. That was a that was a that was pure spite celebration. I'm all for it. And I he talked I a don't. lot. He talked a lot of smack to Mourinho even yeah. years ago. So it's Jimmy, like, take uh, your sportsmanship to the sideline, <laughs> man. You know, get back in your technical area. But keep going, Jimmy. Keep going. Anyway, I thought that Lazio took advantage of their opportunities. I thought that you need goalkeepers to show up. I didn't think Rui Patricio for Roma was was good. Uh, mm. You know, you need big saves and big moments, and that didn't happen. And I don't know if that proved to be the difference, but uh, I did like to see some of the fight that Roma did have to get back into it, but it wasn't enough in the end. And I ultimately, I think it just raises the stakes because when Mourinho gets a little bit chippy, when everything's going well for him, it's great. It's kind of fun. But when he gets chippy, it's when the entertainment value goes up to about 3,000. So I'm excited to see, you know, how he handles this. And it's another manager who sometimes gets in his own way. And now maybe his personality could start to, which was fun and friendly at the start. Now when things aren't going well, he gets very pragmatic. Yeah. He starts to focus on the defense. And then it's not as fun anymore. And the players don't have as much fun. And that's where the wheels fall off the bus. But yeah, uh, that, that we'll is see. What happens. <laughs> I, 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 it is funny. I, I started to think about uh, Jose Mourinho this season as like more of a grandfather figure, you know, like kind of like <laughs> I've learned from my past. Yeah, I was a little angry. And maybe I drank a little too much on the weekend. But like, <laughs> you know, I'm starting to calm down. He had his thousandth victory. There was some celebration of that. He seemed to smile more, kind of get along, play more games with the media and like, less of a, a of like a, a pushing buttons way but i but but this is a real test for them right and I, and I think that Lazio who've underperformed this year so far got up for this uh for this match and obviously they have the quality Felipe Anderson Immobile had like three or four clear chances that he could have scored uh that could have made it even worse for Roma and then you have you know when i look at the other side i go yeah probably on paper the future looks brighter for for Roma but you don't bring in a Jose Mourinho for the future. You bring it in for the now. And again, all, all things considered, I don't know what the expectations are for Roma. Is it trophy or bust when you bring in a Mourinho? It sure seems like that. I don't think that was realistic at Spurs either. Uh, so I'm not sure what where, where we're lining up Oh, there, that's just great. Look at the celebration. How are you, right? Like, it's such a weird image, too, because the yeah. eagle's coming out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a uh, meme for a second. Yeah. I know, uh, I know, I know. I th but listen, I think it's uh, Mourinho and Roma, Champions League is the least that they expect. I'm not sure if winning Scudetto is the main thing, but to this game, though, Jimmy, Roma had 20 shots. Yeah, I mean, they did. Eight of them only, on target. Yeah. yeah. But it I mean, was a tremendous amount of aggression. It was just wasn't specifically directed at the right place. So it, the, the team is there. This just happened to me one of those days, maybe. For me, it's not about, with Roma's success this season, it's not about their attack. I think that they're going to generate more than enough attack. Pellegrini, Veratu, especially coming from midfield. Zaniolo, I thought, was very good today, even though that penalty they gave him was a bit sus, as the kids say today, suspect. I, I, I just think defensively is going to make or break them. And I'll actually look at Lazio and say the same thing. They've got the firepower to score a bunch of goals on both sides. Tammy Abraham, I think, is going to continue to have a good season. Shiro the Hero obviously speaks for himself with all the goals he's scored in Serie A. But defensively, that's going to... If they can solidify that side of the ball, which they couldn't do under Paulo Fonseca either, which is with pretty much the same collection of players, mm. that is really going to, for me, determine how high they finish in the table and how far they go in other cup competitions. And as regard to Mourinho, I, don't bet, I bet you he doesn't have any expectations uh, from him on owners on year one. Season two is where I think 
the expectations start to set in. Like you have your group, you've made a couple of changes, you brought in a few, we've strengthened your team. Now you got to go out there and get us some silverware. But do you think two years of Jose Mourinho's career, career, he wants he wants to spend two years building to sort of see if they can be a Champions League squad? Or I mean, I I, I guess what I guess the question I'm asking is. Uh, what's the end goal with the Jose Mourinho for him personally and for the club when you bring them in, right? You you try to mash these things together and maybe it is a perfect match in the end, but what is what is ultimately the end goal when you bring in win a story like that? Yeah, the end right. goal is win the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying do it now. I'm not saying right, this. Right. Season. I'm saying th- that's the end goal, surely, right? I mean, also, by the way, Pellegrini was missing today. That's a massive he was. part of uh, Roma's thing. All right, well, listen, <laughs> there's Norris. Roma wasn't built in a day. <laughs> they, they weren't. That's thank, true. Thank you, Des. Thank you. All right. Uh, honorable mention on Club America Chivas. That was a stalemate. So we'll just uh, swiftly move on to uh, and return, I guess, to the Premier League, by the way. Weekend winner is Pep Guardiola. Got the best out of Thomas Tuchel, finally. I, you know what? I'm looking at that game, and I thought Man City probably could have had a few more there. But Man City beat Chelsea. It's a massive statement for them. They dominate at the bridge. one nothing. Um, thoughts on that one? Jimmy. Yeah, I'll go first. It's a great way to start their week. They got PSG in Paris midweek, and then they go to Anfield for Liverpool. And literally what I appreciated is almost they took the notes that Southampton used against them earlier last week where they didn't have any shots on goal or one shot on goal were pretty listless going forward and applied those same things to knowing how to defend against Chelsea because Chelsea didn't get any shots on goal. And that, I think, was the most impressive part of the performance was even though they kept a lot of the ball and they were dictating the terms and the flow, they really stifled any type of creativity or any meaningful attacks from Chelsea, which is not easy to do. And the one thing I want to bring up was Thomas Tuchel almost pulled his own Pep Guardiola. He, he started to overthink. He switched to a 3-5-2. He, he had two strikers, Timo Werner and Romelu Lukaku, up top to try to, I don't know, outthink Pep, you know? so silliness. It's, it's, it's like, like there's so much, much wit for Man City to do things, yeah. Too much, too much four-dimensional chess for me. Like, just, just do what you do best and do that really well. And, and the rest will take care of itself. And I thought they got away from it a little bit. Again, I'm telling you, I hate, I hate this. And I even try to say it when I'm coaching myself. Don't put players in positions where you hope they play well. Put them in their best positions so that they do mm-hmm. play well. And, and I think we saw a little bit of that from Tuchel, assuming that – and somebody said it. Was it on the podcast or somewhere else where Chelsea walks around thinking that they're the best – they think they're the best team in Europe and the best team in England. And so I kind of like that City slapped them around a little bit in this one on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I think it's uh, James Bench that said that, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And, and if it wasn't, we'll say it's James Bench. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, Go ahead. First of all, he's back off of uh, Pep Guardiola, all right? He didn't finally get one. Where where, where was uh, Thomas Tuchel at Mines when he was playing him with Bayern? You know, where were, he didn't show up those days, okay? They're close to even now. Yeah, he's had him in his back pocket recently, but... Um, but yeah, look, look, I think I think Phil Foden and and Kevin De Bruyne coming back makes a big difference Huge. within this team. Uh, I actually personally, and th- this is a bit of a hot take, guys. I actually liked having Timo Werner up top. Uh, some of the runs he made in that game to move the move around and move a back line around, I thought were were really important. Now, what was the score? That, what was the score? <laughs> hey guys, how many shots on goal? <laughs> listen. I never said Zero. Timo Werner needs to score. We know he doesn't score. But I just <laughs> like oh, space okay. yeah. verticality. Yeah, yeah. verticality. Oh, it's an equal opportunist decision. Yeah. You just want oh, to not there. No. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, when when we were all growing up, nobody played with a single striker. You played with two. You know, one checks in, one <laughs> runs the channels. You run off the shoulders. It just it looked like at least for Timo Werner, he was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like I, you know, he said <laughs> he occupies these two guys. And I just run. Timo's having fun. Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, question one, did we have fun? Yes. Uh, Question two, did we win? No. Okay. We need to try to get both those things. Okay. We achieved half. Timo Werner had a good time today. Uh, But, but yeah, I look, I I think it's really important for City again to, 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 to win in a way like this. You know, we, we talked about, at least I talked about in the preview about how Chelsea was going to dictate where City could play on the pitch. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell them like, hey, no, you can have it out wide or you can have it in these places. We're going to force you to have to make tough decisions in, in tight places. And I thought City uh, did a better job at, at that, of actually making uh, Chelsea have to figure it out and 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 think twice. And again, like and, and, you know, my final point would be I agree with Jimmy and the fact that I think Tuchel and they again started to overthink that and figure out how he could stay one step ahead. And with that much quality on the field, I mean, these guys are a borderline crazy the way that they tinker against each other. Uh, when I just don't think there needs to be like you, you got things that work. Like, why are you trying to do that one extra thing where people go, Ooh, 
genius. Right, right. Yeah, and it's an overthinking situation. But regardless, the result is Man City takes three points, a massive for City and Pep Guardiola. All right, Liverpool and Brentford, we told you that was going to be a good game, and a good game it was, at least for the neutral. 3-0 in this one. Goals from everywhere, a fantastic Fantastic uh, example of what the Premier League can offer, but Liverpool do drop points, and that's uh, big for them. Heath, let's go back to you here. Did you see this? This game was good. And Brentford, every time I watched them, I know they conceded three today, but they answered right back against uh, a big team like Liverpool. It was a a good performance. Yeah, I'm going to look back. I think we're going to look back on this moment when you see that. Obviously, you can't predict it. Man United drop the points when you see oh, no. we'll Chelsea get drop the points. Don't worry. We'll we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna look back on this in the future of a Liverpool should have been able to beat them. And I know Jurgen Klopp was given the looks at the end of the game of like, man, we kind of got out of this one too. And this was a little bit chaos, but like they had 40 chances in this game, Liverpool to score. Like most all had breakaways, you know, <laughs> um Diego Jota had had some clear chances that they should have finished. And I again you can't be asked to score four goals a game. You can't be asked to like, you know, if you're gonna give up three goals. It was a great game overall from a neutral uh perspective. Even even you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, the excitement of that game was there. But I think this was a, an opportunity for them to to be more clinical and take the points that I think they're gonna look back on and go, man, looking back at that weekend, that was a weekend that that uh yeah, it was an exciting game, but we should have had we should have been all over that game and instead we coughed up points during a weekend where other big teams uh, could have given us a little more cushion at the top of the table. Now Brighton are going to be in first place for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, what I'm gonna what I'll add in really quick is that it doesn't matter what level you play at or, or how good your team is, or if you're playing in a World Cup, or if you're playing in a I don't know a U U12 rec girls team that I'm coaching right now for my daughter. I love it. If if you still have to commit, if you still have to do the work, you still have to scrap, you still have to match the intensity or surpass the intensity of the other team. You have to compete ultimately in every single play. And they should know better than most teams that when you're going up against a Brentford, that's what they do. That is what they're known for. Their manager, Thomas Frank, doesn't try to hide the fact that, yeah, they're going to try to put the ball on the ground and play when they can. But when they can't, they're going to fight their asses off to try to get a result. All three of their goals were super scrappy. You know, They had and, four and, guys in the box on every cross. Four guys in the box on every no, cross. And, I and, love. Ivan, and Ivan Tony counts for two people because he is so he's such a nightmare. It's, for, it's, yeah, no, ahead, no, I, I agree. No, I agree with both you guys. I just just want to continue to just keep that 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 thought going because these top clubs are going to have problems if they can't do that. I mean, we talk yeah. about Tottenham. Tottenham didn't come out and compete today. They didn't come out and compete. What the hell did they expect to happen in a North London derby? Like just right. because they beat them in preseason and six weeks ago that that they're going to Arsenal is going to roll, you know, fall back down and nothing. I mean, there happen. was a chance. There was a chance that would happen, but that's true. That's fair. <laughs> There's an element of that. But but once they didn't score first, and Spurs needed to score first to really get that mindset into Arsenal, and you could feel the momentum going the other way, they just couldn't regain things. But same thing with Brentford and Liverpool. Liverpool had their chances, and you're right, Heath, that they could have finished another one of those to maybe create a two goal gap then Brentford maybe would have laid down a little bit. But those guys fight. And, and if you don't have that mentality that you want to compete, you're not going to win trophies because at some point, that's what you have to do to win games, even when you're playing at the highest levels. Yep, absolutely agree. I think it was one of those wake-up calls for Virgil van Dijk since returning from injury as well mm-hmm. because you know they really became such a nuisance. Uh, but, you know, fair play to Brentford. Well done. You get a point against Liverpool, and that continues. And now... We talked about the greatest club in the history of the game. I'm not even going to listen. Roll the tape. That's Norris. Do you have the tape? I I believe uh, in the weekend preview, a few of our experts uh, that get paid a lot of money, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. I think you're talking about James Bench. Bench bench crushes it. I want refereeing this one. Exactly. There's a penalty for Manchester United in this game. I'm telling you right now. Now, all right, quick score predictions very quickly on this one. I'm not even going to say it. James Bench. Oh, 3-1 Man United. Oh, God's sake. I'm going, th- I'm going 3 nil. I'm going 3 nil oh. Man United. Sorry. Oh, my God. Gonna, I'll, say, I'll say 3-1 Man United. Sorry. I hate you all. <laughs> all right, fine. These are the remaining fixtures. The red we made. Oh, baby. Oh, wow. You didn't. Heath Pierce didn't uh. even give us a goal. Heath Pierce just said 3 nothing. Yeah. But anyway. Matches for the first time since 2009, Aston Villa went at Old Trafford. It was a very good game, back and forth in many situations, of course. Uh, but we do obviously want to discuss, and I want to bring this up for a second. Uh, we're going to get into it. One nothing, uh, Courtney House from a corner, but Emiliano Martinez. 
mm-hmm. you absolute king of shithousery, the sorcerer of soul crushes, the absolute mind game player. I don't know if you saw everybody. If you don't know what I'm talking about, at the very end of this game, Manchester United get a penalty. As I told you, my team was going to give it. There was going to be a penalty given. Bruno Fernandes steps up, and then suddenly Ronaldo is standing behind him. So you don't know. Obviously, Fernandes is wearing the armband. You think, well, he's the penalty taker. And Emiliano Martinez is in his face, points to Cristiano Ronaldo. is like, hey, Ronaldo, you got to take it, right? You got to take it. Completely just in his mind. And Bruno, from this point, is done. You just know he's going to miss. And that he does, by the way. I think pigeons got hurt in row Z when he hit that uh, one. And then I don't even know if you saw the dance, but I do, the reason why I want to bring it up to Jimmy and Heath is because I do want to talk about, you know, just the art of sort of, you know, just being in somebody's face like that, sort of like talking smack. It, it's really a lost art these days. It doesn't happen as much, right? So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. And also if you guys as players, had, had ever really come across a, a, an opponent or a teammate that really gave you that kind of, uh, you know, just like, oh, my God, shut up. You're in my head. And if it worked, I just think it's such a lost start and it's beautiful to see. <laughs> Heath, let's go with you first. Yeah, it's it's amazing, right? If you think about just the degree of difference between a good player, great player, and elite player, it starts to become these little tiny details. And your job, if you're a defender or a goalkeeper or anybody that's trying to disrupt the best players, is to just, if you can get a little tiny 1% in their head, just to take the edge over. And I, Jimmy was very good at this, whether it was just reading the game early or giving a little kick or all these kinds of things of, of, of players, just to make them remember that you're there and it's not going to be easy. And from the very start, that can get into a player's head. I, you know, the one, yeah, the one that I played with, um, the one that I played with and against was Rafa Marquez. He was a guy that would just, you'd be jogging away and he'd just trip you. And you'd be like, <laughs> I don't know why he did that. And then you'd get up and then he might just come over and kick you again or step on your toes. And it would be this casual thing that you wouldn't stop thinking about. And it would mm. just live inside of your head for a while going like, that was so bizarre that he did that. Like why? Like it's so odd or he'll just come up and he'll kick you or he'll tackle you hard. He'll do all these things. He was sent off in a dose of that I played in because he went up. Um, he went up against, uh, I think it was on Tim Howard on, on a, on a corner kick and put his leg leg into his calf and got sent off. And like those kinds of things where, you know, it's, it, it, it borders. Those are typically the guys that end up with quite a few red cards. Usually in the end, like it all evens out somehow, but it never seemed to when I was on the field with them or against them. Uh, but just that ability to get into somebody's head and just like push that button. There's a real skill set to it. And in fact, mm-hmm. for me as a player, one of the things that I wish that I had most was that edge, that little bit of killer instinct, a little bit of meanness to me, a little bit of like, I don't mind if I like kind of smash this guy's foot or kick him or get in his head. Or I didn't mind playing mind games, but when you add a physical element to that, you can make an average player can make a very good player's day very hard at the office. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to say Zlatan seems like the most obvious choice as someone that dabbles in the dark arts of this type of mentality. Yeah, And he's very good at it. I think what makes Zlatan special is that he'll talk and then he'll back it up. And not a lot of players can do that as consistently as Zlatan. Right. Now, from my own personal experience, for all you old MLS rats out there, old CONCACAF World Cup qualifying rats out there, I'm going to go with Carlos Ruiz, mm, who El Pescadito yeah. from Guatemala <laughs> and LA and, and And I say him because I went up against him a lot and he's a guy that was fantastic. And, and to give kind of a current example of how he used to play, kind of Romelu Lukaku-esque, where he's trying to body you before the ball gets there. And before the referee really kind of knows what the – I mean, they, have, they might call that stuff in basketball, but they don't call it necessarily in this game that early on. Like, they're not going to give any physical advantage. So he's very good at positioning himself. And then he'll just – he'll elbow you. He'll do whatever he can to get in front of you. And then you barely touch him. I mean, you put a goddamn fingernail on that guy, and then he falls down and rolls it, and like you got him in the throat or something. It's 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 so infuriating, especially as a defender, because you're just like enough of this guy. And it's just yeah. to to his point about having that little mental advantage. He loved it. He loved the theatrics of it. He loved getting inside your head. He knew that if you bit on the bait, that he he would go. He he had you. He was you were in his back pocket. He owned you. He was living rent free in your head at this point. And and it got so bad. If people remember, Ricardo Clark kicked this guy in the chest during after a corner kick and got suspended for like 10 games in MLS because he had enough of Carlo Reese's shit. So I don't know what else you could ask from El Pescadito. It's unbelievable. Go look up the Rico it. Clark kicking uh 
Carlos Ruiz in the chest. He has to spend like seven to 10 games for that. It was crazy. I love but the it. best part about it was that he got kicked in the chest. And of course, Carlos Ruiz grabbed his face. Because why wouldn't he do that? <laughs> why wouldn't he do that? So, so I just want to give a shout out to El Pescadito. I love it. I love it. And to the point that we're trying to bring home, everybody, is that, and you know, he started it with it. It's an art. And it's something that gets in your head. And that's, mm -hmm. and listen, and Emiliano Martinez just did it now, but he also did it at Copa, Copa America, America with Jerry Mina. Like, it's something... Well, first of all, as a South American, I just know it happens all the time. <laughs> you don't just see it all the time. But by the way, one of the artists of this is you don't hear it as much because he's known for obviously everything else is Diego Maradona. He mm. was the absolute king of this stuff. You just don't hear that part as much. I mean, you do, but not as much as obviously his incredible talents. But the amount of shit talking he would do and say. So I just wanted to to just give a, a little nod to my goalkeeper, Emiliano Martinez, because Manchester United fans on Twitter are going insane, and I absolutely, absolutely love it. By the way, I just want to ask about this game, because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we, we've already asked him very quickly, just on, with, with both of you guys, what, what's going on here? Because now they're going to play Villarreal in the Champions League. Obviously, they lost to Young Boys as well, you know, here we go. Natalie, thank you. Thank you so much for the segue, Natalie, because Solskjaer is an imposter. When will Manchester United fans realize they're not winning? <laughs> how does Natalie really there? feel? I want to know what, right, how Natalie really feels. I really hope I voiced your anger, Natalie, with the way I said your phrase. But uh, what do you think, uh, Jimmy, here? Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we've had many discussions about Ole Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's funny that uh, United are much better away from home. So if they can just not play at Old Trafford, I don't think everybody would be uh, so upset at Ole Gunnar. But yeah, I think at times... He does have some tactics that make him feel fraudulent, might be the word to go with this. The fact that he's still using a double pivot of McTominay and Fred when he was echoing sentiments of during the offseason, we're only going to have one holding midfielder, we're going to try to get more attacking players on the field, kind of speaks to maybe the sense that he doesn't think his team is as good as maybe everybody else does, that he, like, he can sense there's some vulnerabilities there, maybe the balance isn't as good within the team if they don't have that double pivot to hold the two holding midfielders. Mm. That needs to get resolved in some capacity. We've already talked on here that if they can get a Declan Rice, maybe in January, that could solve a lot of the problems and maybe unlock a few of the things. That said, they created, they had 28 shots. Four of them only were on target. They are, they weren't too far off. It, maybe they weren't too many as meaningful attacks, but they were going to run into a game where, where things weren't working. And, and I kind of throw away the West Ham game. That was a B squad. That wasn't the, the same squad that he'd been working with prior to that point. Young boys, Jesse Lingard just made a mistake there. But it kind of gets back to what I was saying before. You still have to go out there and fight. You still have to have players that are going to go out there and, and be up for the commitment that's needed to, to go out and compete. And so maybe that was lacking a little bit. And because they had been scoring, they had scored nine goals at home prior to this one uh, in, in the Premier League. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Every week we're either high on this guy or down on this guy. And, and uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. The thing that, I, that, that, that was problematic for me in this match is, is okay, they had a lot of shots. But you can't do ineffective shots. You you can't have Bruno Fernandez and Cristiano Ronaldo taking half chances all day long. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to get in the rhythm if you have two players who both can finish those every time they get it looking for something between 18 and 24 yards out, tough angles or or you know, off balance hits, things like that. And then you add that to the fact that I thought Mason Greenwood was a little bit off the pace of trying to get into a rhythm with them, was trying to do a little bit too much, taking too many touches, not really understanding how he fits into this. Because I thought he was, he was before Ronaldo arrived, he was finding where he fit into this team in a way that I was very complimentary of. But now it feels a little bit like, is, is my job to just give Ronaldo the ball? Because before it was to give Bruno Fernandez the ball. Who, mm -hmm, who, mm -hmm. who gets it? Who doesn't? Type of thing. And I don't think that's an ego thing as much as it is like, oh man, now we've got to figure out how we all play together because we can all we do this. We were talking about Mason Greenwood being one of the best finishers in the Premier League before uh, Ronaldo came in. And now there's a lot of... Uh, if Solskjaer left, who would you have replaced him? I just want to play a little game here. Heath and then Jimmy. Uh, I was thinking on uh, Antonio Conte at first, but I just don't like that. He's going to Arsenal in January when Luis gets, <laughs> gets Arteta sacked. I'm going to go with Zidane. I think Zidane, and purely because uh, my sell on this is there needs to be somebody that can take... I, I don't think Man United are in a bad place. I, th I actually think they're in a very, close to a great place. And there's something that I think is missing, perhaps, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's ability to convert that into sustainable system and results. Maybe that is a Declan Rice or it's a few more signings. But then I need a coach who's going to come in and stay for uh, in the way that Guardiola has at, at Man City and build a new world for them and, and, and stick it out and have 
mostly good times, but some rough times where you're going through that. And I think Zidane's one that's built on, again, Jimmy, compete, fight, fitness, mm -hmm, those types mm -hmm. of things. I think Zidane could bring that. And he doesn't have this uh, jaded background with the Premier League that it would he would come in with some sort of chip on his shoulder or some like hired to be fired. And I think it could be a good, um, I guess, balanced option uh, for the long term. I actually like the Zidane shout as well. I think the fun fact about it is that he's a global ambassador for life for Adidas or Adidas. And now that United are an Adidas team, I'm just linking it. You know, I, I honestly, you know, Juve is the other team he's linked to. I, I, always, I, I feel like there's there's that type of stuff going on at times behind the scenes. But oh, you mean when 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 David Beckham got paid 250 million by Adidas to come to Major League Soccer? Who you're are exactly right. Is that yeah. the links you're trying to create? I'm, I'm, I might be throwing <laughs> that out there in some capacity. So so I do think he would be a good fit. Obviously, he's worked with Varane before, so he'll already have some some uh, rapport there, especially in an important player on the team. And Pogba obviously being French and. Uh, the guy just demands immediate. I mean, respect. it's Sudan. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And, the, and then you have Ole Gunnar, who, in some ways, I don't even know if he should. I mean, at this point, he probably would have to leave. But I think he's just a better first assistant than he is as the top manager because I think in in tight moments, he should be. <laughs> Could you imagine him stepping down to be? I I actually I, prefer setting up the cones. I like the like meeting type stuff. Yeah. That, that guy's better than me at this other stuff. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take one step back and he's gonna step. Back. I don't know. Well, yeah, he's he Norwegian. Norwegians are nice. They'll be like, yeah. okay, I don't I'll, know. I'll, I'll, I socialist. He's socialist. You know, we all yeah. we all eat. We all eat. By the way, the Dan, yeah. the Dan and Ronaldo as well. That relationship as well. That's true, right? Know, Ronaldo as well. That's correct. So so you have that going on, and obviously the the the, the type of a. Uh, respect he would, you know, immediately get even as a player, and then of course backing it up as a manager with Madrid and three consecutive Champions League trophies. I mean, his guy's super decorated. Would he want the job? I don't know. That's well. I, look I feel like he's Instagram. waiting for the. I think he's waiting for the France national team job, but I could maybe. Be but look at his Instagram. He's having a good old time. All right, here are the rest of the results. By the way, uh, Wolves. Raúl Jiménez, well done. Gets did, that you guys, goal. did you see those? Go that goal, by the way, it was yeah. sick. He dribbled like four people and finished it and like obviously hasn't scored and he's been through so much over the last year. Just big shout out to my I, man. I, I want to second that because Raul Jimenez, that's his first goal since coming or in the Premier League since getting hurt. Correct. And and he's been pressing, you know, when you kind of like you really want to score and you're trying too hard. Yeah. So when you watch this goal by Raul Jimenez, his composure to to just relax in that moment was astounding for me for all the reasons that he just said because he'd been going through so much adversity it's a tremendous goal yeah a fantastic goal uh so happy for him and here are the other results we already discussed some others but everton against norwich oh, norwich yeah. you gotta get something going and also leeds as well uh by the way another team by the way with no wins yet uh they lose to west ham leicester tie Burnley 2-0 and Watford and Newcastle 1-0 and we saw the Brentford Liverpool game there and by the way Brighton play Crystal Palace on Monday if they win they go top of the table if they win I spoke with the Seagull CEO Paul Barber about the club's recruitment policy getting through the pandemic their vision Graham Potter a tremendous conversation really really smart man obviously uh, so I encourage you all to check it out on our YouTube channel. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss the rest of the action. Sedia had a lot of goals. Trouble with PSG, you say? Maybe. And some other results as well going your way. Stay right here. Okay, that's a weekend recap. We'll be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everybody. We are here. Weekend recap. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce. If you're listening on audio, thank you so much. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate you. By the way, the transfer window might be closed, but the business behind the scenes never stops. Fabrizio Romano will be on Monday, as usual, and he'll answer all your questions. So please make sure that you go to Kegolasso Pod on Twitter and send those questions. He always answers them. So I want to test it. Just ask anything. Let's see what happens. I want to see. I want to see what Ask happens. him if he sleeps, everybody. Ask him if exactly. he sleeps. Exactly. Oh, he loves our question, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but he will be on Monday. So make sure that you uh, head over to Kegolasso Pod on Twitter and send your questions. All right, let's move on here. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, Serie We discussed. Lazio, uh, Roma, but guess what? There were 31 goals and counting, by the way, because Napoli, as we tape, is still going, but a lot of goals, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And what's the screen share, Des Norris? Let's see what else we got here for the results, including uh, Inter and Atalanta drew 2 all in a really exciting game on Saturday, one of the best ones. No, I don't want to experience a new kind of workout. <laughs> but just show me the results. But Milan... By the way, Daniel Maldini scores. Incredible. Daniel or Danieli? Please uh, correct me, everybody, if I'm wrong. But it was amazing to just... It also made us feel really old, right, guys? The yeah. fact that another Maldini <laughs> scored. Um, Napoli does lead Cagliari as we're taping, of course. Uh, Fiorentina just won't go away. Neither. They're getting results up. And Juventus win 3-2 against Sampdoria, though Paolo Dybala and Alvaro Morata was injured. So they might be out for the Chelsea result. Thank you so much for zooming in. Look at that. Those are all the, the results. And uh, Jimmy, let's throw it to you. Serie A, a lot of goals this weekend. Anything that, that speaks out to you? Yeah, I'll talk about Juventus. I was actually really impressed with how Paulo Dybala played. I thought he was really active. He was crying for everybody that wants to know how severe the injury was. He was crying when he came oh. off the field. Now, we don't know exactly the extent of it as we're speaking at the moment, but I'm sure we will over the next couple of days. It does look like he's going to be out for Chelsea, Alvaro Morata, as well midweek in the Champions League. So that's a big loss for them. They have a manageable group overall, so I'm not too worried about them. Where I am concerned, though, is that they've given up more goals. They haven't had a clean sheet in Serie A since March 2nd. That's a really long time for a team that's known for being good defensively. And Maxi Allegri, I know he's trying to unlock a few different things on both sides of the ball and in transition and both sides of the ball, whatever. But they got to get that sorted out getting some clean sheets to get that confidence going because that's way too leaky of a defense for them to even consider challenging for the Scudetto. He's building he's building that case where he can now go into the into the board of directors and go, "Hey, I'm trying to build something here, but you got a <laughs> yeah. bunch of old guys in the back that can't do this. So I need to <laughs> yeah. change them. Yes, yeah. they're legends, put their names up in the stadium, all that sort of stuff, but we need some some youth going on. The the, the one that game that I wanted to talk about was the Inter Milan Atalanta. Atalanta, by the way, I constantly look at them when they play a match like this. I thought they were the better better of the sides mm-hmm, against mm-hmm. against Inter, and I look at the amount of chances they create. It, it's weird that they had uh, Mal- Malinowski and and Zapata playing. Muriel, I think, is still injured, uh, but the yeah. three of them were considered uh, like unsellable this summer. And then they constantly deliver, and very rarely are the three of them on the field at the same time. They sort of rotate between the three of them. But I just constantly wonder, like, how many pieces away are they from actually being a championship caliber team? And it doesn't seem like much. Obviously, I think in the back. They still struggle at times, and they out they they just try to outscore teams, and and every game is exciting. But this was one where, again, like against an Inter Milan squad, they just look like the better side, creating a number of chances and continuously pushing Inter and Inter, uh, Inter further and further back on the pitch. Uh, and and yeah, thought that thought that they deserved more. Even in the end, I think there was a chance at the in the 90th minute or so that got called back from a ball that went out of bounds. But I thought they were going to seal that one, but didn't. Yeah. yeah. No. I'll just Go jump ahead, in and yeah, I, Malinowski scored an absolute banger. Toloy scored a banger. Like Atalanta just scores bangers. So if you want a team to celebrate or to support, you need a hipster team. Uh, make it Atalanta. They're definitely the ones of choice. Jekko scoring again. Jekko scoring again, I think is super important. Obviously ro- losing Romelu Lukaku. I thought uh, one of the players that if you're looking for a, a favorite team or a player to watch or to support, uh, make it Nico Barella. He is just dropping in dimes from all over the place. He is a really special talent for the Italian national team and for Inter Milan. And uh, 
I thought he was excellent again today. They 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 have some issues too. It's really in some ways when I look at Serie A, whatever team can figure out how to be the best defensively, because most of them have good attacking options, but whoever can figure it out defensively on both sides of the ball ultimately are going to be the ones that end up kind of pulling away from the rest because there's some really leaky defenses. How, out how there, spoiled the are we? How spoiled are we that we're like, oh, let's break away from this stereotype Serie A boring no goals and they're like, I know, there's a I bunch know. of goals. They need better defenders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was which was the case in the '90s. You just needed to defend because everybody scored, which is happening. And by the way, Atalanta, after young boys in the Champions League, they face AC Milan, so that's another big test for them. All right, let's move to France here. Trouble in paradise if paradise is what you call PSG because uh, they, they did get a win, but it was very unconvincing. But then uh, it was overshadowed by the fact that Kylian Mbappé accused Neymar of being a ball hog, which is like, okay, I mean, I'm sure Neymar's heard that since he was like nine years old. But Neymar did pass the ball to Mbappé eight times and Mbappé passed the ball to Neymar four times so you know <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just but anyway there was but a video counting <laughs> there was a footage of killing mbappe on the bench and he clearly seemed frustrated things are just you know they're not going the right way even though that win came it was unconvincing and next up is manchester city in the champions league so jimmy thoughts on psg i know that we wanted to talk about him big time here what do you think <laughs> i uh not surprised. You, there's so much ego there. And and I feel like with regard to Kylian Mbappe specifically, he made it clear in the offseason that he wanted to move. And we're seeing it with Harry Kane as well, where he's just not himself. And and he's, he's getting frustrated quicker than maybe he would have before if he wanted to be there. Ultimately, what's happening is you have two players with Kane and Mbappe. They're just, they didn't get their way. They, they probably get their way 99.9% .9 of their lives. And in this big moment, they didn't get their way. And whether it's conscious or subconscious or whatever, it's starting to come out in a way that's going to be a negative for the team. And and now with regard to killing Mbappe, for him to bitch about not getting, you know, the Neymar's a ball hog. Like, what? Neymar's been a ball hog since birth. Like what? That's that's not rocket science. You knew who your teammate was, and he knows who you are, and hopefully it works out. But but if you don't have that the right attitude towards those types of players or your teammates, and you're starting to nitpick your teammates. Yeah, it's not a good look. The thing is with name uh, with Mbappe is that this was happening also with the French national team with the Euros. Like this isn't yeah. uh, this isn't a new behavior. This is something that's actually been extended over a couple months and even prior to that, but just most recently with the with the Euros. So keep an eye out on this because yeah, Jonathan he's Johnson out, is sick of him. He can't. Yeah. He's so angry with Mbappe. Uh, yeah, it's just, I guess he's he's pouting in his own way, right? Yeah, you and, and you cannot win as much as he has won and done as much as he has <laughs> yeah, done exactly, at his age too. and be normal. It's just not possible, right? He's going to have an <laughs> ego that comes with this. Also, you know the difference of these players when they're trying to make a scene and when they're not, right? You see players after games, the first thing they do is they put their hand over their mouth. They're talking about things. Yeah, they don't yeah. know anybody to read into it. And then there's people making a scene, like when Messi was subbed out and now Mbappe uh, making his scene. And so they're obviously making their presence felt. These are the biggest stars uh, in the sport, and they've all centered around uh, one team. And if, if I'm Man City right now, I'm like, oh, let's go put a beating mm -hmm, on them. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. like go, go and show them that you can't buy a team. Well, you can, but it takes longer <laughs> than just you can't you can't get a team for free. That's pretty a bad work. example, but yeah, yeah I, I see your no, point. But like <laughs> they they. Spending money versus like just no, of course we'll of take course. every you know everyone. I mean, I guess that worked with the Warriors too, and basketball, <laughs> and now with the Lakers. But I, I, maybe that doesn't stand up. My bad. Uh, no, but no, yeah, I, I, if your city, it's it's a great chance for you to continue this run of form, and then just to show PSG that they've got a lot to work through uh, with 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 uh, managers, egos, players, all these things. And by the way, in 2021, when even like the ball boy has eight phones on him, you know that Mbappé is going to like get picked up. Like if he shows frustration, if he's like whatever, we're going to see it. So is he doing it on purpose? Does he yes. care? Like, you know, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, who, yeah. You know who I think, you know, who I will actually think that will help this team. LME is Sergio Ramos. Yeah, because he's always been part of a team that's been littered with stars where he hasn't been the biggest name. And I think he is one of those leaders that like enough of this sh crap, you know, Mbappe, like we just need you. If you want to be a baby off the field, go ahead. But, but on the field, we need you to be yeah, a, like a, a top, general. top pro. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think I wonder, he hasn't played a game yet for PSG, but I think his presence could be 
much appreciated from Mauricio Pochettino's perspective in, in particular. Well, this Champions League game against Man City is going to be really interesting because obviously they've already had some hurdles, but this one will really see how much in trouble they are. All right, some other results, by the way. Alaves beating Atletico Madrid. Lucho Suarez and Antoine Griezmann could not cope with Matt Miazga, apparently. <laughs> uh, Barcelona as well. Ansu Fati, this was great. 323 days out. He comes back. Two minutes later, he scores. His family, he goes over to uh, hug his doctor as well, who helped him obviously recuperate. Luke de Jong scored. Serginho Des back in form. So uh, everybody, pick a game, anything that we haven't discussed. Heath Pierce, give me one game that we have, and you can mention the ones that I said, but anything that stood out to you. Oh man, I'm on. I'm I'm under. Uh, skip me real quick. I've, I'm I'm blanking on the game. I can talk about the Barcelona <laughs> one. I thought I, just from a Serginho Des standpoint, that's the best performance he's had uh, this season with Barcelona. I don't know if it stands for much. Obviously, we're talking about uh, the controversies around the club, and is there going to be a managerial change? Are they on the right path? And so this mm. was one that I thought was somewhat of a statement win, especially for some of the young players to perform well and sort of kind of sweep some of those problems under the rug. Yeah, Levante are a tricky side for Barcelona, so and they made they made quite this statement, absolutely. No, And it was a good performance from Serginho Des. Jimmy, you got a, a game that we want to talk? That you yeah, I'll talk about Real Madrid uh, via Real. It ended up 0-0. I thought Courtois was very good in the first half and bailed him out with some big saves. I will say that Madrid didn't really have too much going the other way. There was a shout for a penalty on or for Nacho. Uh, he was in the box, and it looked like he didn't get the call. This was the same referee, everybody, that gave the the red card to Joao Felix for running his mouth. He gave him the second yellow very quickly. Mm. And it's almost like he got reprimanded and was just going to let anything go for this 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 week, you know, which is what Courtois said after the game, which was pretty funny. But uh, what I'll say about this Madrid team, even though this was 0-0 and they didn't have as much punch up top as they've had over the previous few weeks, obviously tearing it up 21 goals in six games prior to this, Villarreal had only given up three. So I was very curious to see how these two juggernauts were going to face each other on both sides of the ball. And I was still really impressed that even though we don't think Madrid have it all figured out in their back line and Villarreal had some good chances, they still got the clean sheet. And I think that speaks a lot about them. So when I, I'm going to kind of keep this theme going, if you have it, a good defense, it could lead to a lot of success. Madrid are putting those pieces in place. And I just want to give another shout out to Carlo Ancelotti, the to really get everybody on the same page and, and like rowing the boat in the same direction, which isn't always easy. As we're seeing with PSG, Mauricio Pochettino does not have his guys rowing the boat in the same direction at the moment. No, <laughs> they, they do not. And Villarreal face Manchester United in the Champions League, a repeat of uh, last season's Europa League final, by the way. Uh, Napoli have beaten Cagliari 2-0, and the man of the hour, Victor Mosman, gets an opener there, Lorenzo Insigne with a penalty. So Napoli, top of the table. Ah, fantastic. Yeah, Osman yeah, has like six goals or something in his first games, eight goals or something like that. Absolutely something crazy. killing it. Absolutely killing it. Um, doing very, very well. All right. Before we say goodbye, everybody, we wanted to do a quick segment here. Our weekend's biggest winners, our weekend's biggest losers, and the coaches on the rocks. No, that's not a drink. It's uh, a coach or manager that may be walking on thin ice. So let's begin with the weekend's biggest. And you can repeat. Anybody that we mentioned in the past. So, Heath, let's go with you again. Give me a weekend's biggest winner. Hey, I'm giving, I'm, I'm backing up Jimmy on this one. I'm going with Jesse Marsh with a statement win over uh, Hertha Berlin, 6 0. That's generally something that happens when, when the players are sort of starting to rally on their own pressure. And it looks like that doesn't happen when they, when they've turned their back on a manager, right? That's the kind of thing that happens when they're like, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. let's, 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 let's relieve ourselves of this pressure here. Um, and so, a big, big win for Jesse Marsh and the team. Obviously, here at the Berlin aren't aren't great, but to have a statement win like that, when you're really, really, maybe one or two results, and maybe he has more time for the reasons we've discussed in the past on the show, but uh, to have a win like that under this amount of pressure gets them the two wins on the season. I think they move up to like 13th place in the league or somewhere around mid-table and now can start to look at, at a brighter future of like, oh, yes, we can, and yes, we don't didn't bring in more players after the season. We didn't. We lost a lot of our best guys, but we're still competitive and we can put together uh, good results. Also, I, that was my pick too, but I'll just I'll have another one ready for that because it's an obvious one. But I want to tack on that Jesse Marsh also made some tough decisions. He sat Andre Silva, who scored 28 goals in the Premier or Bundesliga last season, and he went with Yusuf Polson, who does a little bit more, knows the system a little bit better. Yusuf Polson, by the way, is one of their only few players that came up when they were, remember right, when exactly, the whole thing exactly. started of the 50 plus one, they can't go to the first Bundesliga and all these fan issues and whatever. Yusuf Polson was part of their, I think, second or third Bundesliga project going upwards. So 
Uh, it's a big statement to, to have a guy like that in your club still. 100%. And to start him and trust him in this way. And I think that uh, just shows that Jesse Marsh isn't afraid to make some tough decisions and have them work out. I think Mikel Arteta, though, for me, is probably the biggest winner. I mean, that's such a tremendous performance. It wasn't like they eked by Spurs or... You know, they got some crappy set piece that like barely crossed the line and they got the win. I mean, they were in charge the whole game. And since the international break, they've been tremendous because prior to the international break, they scored zero goals and gave up 13. And now they've only given up one and scored six, if I'm not mistaken, through four games. So it's really impressive to see what they've done. And, and I'm excited to see what Arsenal have going forward. And I don't want to give Heath too much false hope and any other Arsenal fans out there, but. There's, there's like a little bit of reason to get excited around the Gunners and and I'm kind of I'm kind of here for it and want to see where it goes. No, absolutely. Uh, my quickly would be Sevilla because quietly they're getting things done in La Liga. They haven't lost a game yet. They won again as well against Espanyol and they are sitting in third place, by the way, only three points behind uh, Real Madrid and a game in hand, I believe. So, you know, Sevilla doing their thing. All right, weekend's biggest loser. Who is that? Let's go to Jimmy this time. Who's your weekend's biggest loser, Jimmy? <laughs> Listen, Yapstam, Dutch legend, okay. Manchester United, massive, like, AC Milan. I mean, just just won everything. Top what defender in the world. Cincinnati Coaches FC Cincinnati, and they're, God, they're terrible. And <laughs> defensively, they're even worse. They lost 4-2 to DC United. It was 3 or 4-0 at half. I'm like, what does Yapstam even work on in practice? <laughs> I have no idea. I have zero idea. And I'm looking at their goals against. They've given up 48 goals in 25 games. They're sitting oh. close to the very bottom of MLS overall. That's that's hard to do. It's it's hard to be the worst team in MLS. It really is because there's yeah, a lot of bad really teams have out to there. Try, you have to yeah. be bad. So I don't even know how Yabsam still has a job, but uh, I guess he should be the big winner if he still has a job after this weekend. But <laughs> but uh, right now I just I, I gotta I gotta throw a little a little shade Yabsam's way because as someone that is a former defender myself, when I coach, I only see three things mostly through a defensive mindset and the mentality. And this guy like completely does the opposite. I don't know what the hell he's doing. So I, I, uh, I'm here. I'm eating my popcorn and waiting to see when FC Cincinnati has the courage to fire that guy. Oh boy, he. Uh, my, my, my biggest uh, loser is going to be Manchester United, actually, just because. Uh, again, the, the theme that you talk about even before Ronaldo came was, yeah, they looked weak in transition defensively, and then you're like, okay, well now they've got this firepower. At least that could carry them uh, through some of those defensive woes. And you go, okay, well now they've got a lot to work through there. And it just seems like there's a number of things that they're going to have to piece together to stay in this title race. Obviously, they're still in a great position in the in the table. I think they can uh, achieve and string together a, a number of results. But if you have defensively issues and then scoring issues on the other end in terms of like your rhythm and form, and it's going to require a moment of brilliance from your star players every time, I think that's a tough recipe uh, to rely on for for uh, a whole season. So I think there's a something in there that's that I think is, is a little bit broken. So I, I, I'm giving them the biggest loser for me. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm just going to say Norwich. I know I'm sorry. Norwich. <laughs> I just want to, you lose three, nothing to Liverpool in the opening game. You lose five, nothing to Man City after that in the league cup, uh, you win against Bournemouth. Well done. But then you lose to Leicester two one, you lose to Arsenal one, nothing. You lose to Watford three, one, uh, you lose to Liverpool in the league cup three, nothing. You lose to Everton two, nothing. As well, that was yesterday. It's just but they got they haven't, played, they haven't played anybody easy yet, other than their chance to beat Watford, which they should have done. But I told you guys, watch the game. They do not have Premier League center backs, and they were the ones at fault again. Are they uh, gonna get a match. win uh before Christmas? I, I, wow, you both had to really think about that. I just don't see how because they can't score and then they can't stop list. other teams from scoring. And those are the two basic concepts of winning a game, uh, especially in the Premier League. I mean, again, that that Kabak guy, I think he gave up the penalty. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy's or, looking or, at the Newcastle yeah. game on New December 1st yeah. and you're thinking maybe they might get away. They're, listen, this is a very... This is tough. I feel I, I like Norwich City, but you need to get some. You yeah. need something. Jimmy, there's got to be some window in there where where they're playing three or four sort of mid to lower table teams because they've played mostly top top ten or top eight teams in the league. So well, far. they got Burnley they away. Watford, Heath, and they lost. Well, that's the only one. Like Everton is in great form right now. I mean, the other games they've had some really tough matchups. Okay? All right. Jeez. Maybe you know? Leeds on Halloween. There we <laughs> go. That sounds that, that, <laughs> but, I, but I bet you Bielsa will have them rounded into form by then. So you know, I don't know. I, I just I just can't believe uh, the, the German managers in, in, the, in the locker room yeah, exactly. right now in the locker room circling leads and on 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 <laughs> Halloween going, guys, this is the one. This is the one, huh? <laughs> All right. Speaking of which, coaches on the rocks, managers on the rock. As we head into the international break, which manager 
should be the most worried about their job? Uh, Heath. Oh man. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with probably Jesse Marsh still. Um, I think this is a big win. No, I think that's a, that's a lazy take. I, I still think Mika Arteta there's, there's attract the, the marketplace has attractive options right now. And I think he's bought himself the joy of a North London Derby, which on a personal level is great for him for the fans. It's great. But if you're the Arsenal board, I don't know if you're you're really convinced um, at at where this is going unless this run of form of like three games now turns into uh, you know eleven games till till Christmas. I still think you go well. It's good, but is it good enough? I don't think so. Yeah, I'm looking at Marcel Bielsa, and not because of them wanting him to go, but because he gets tired of projects very quickly if things aren't going his way. <laughs> and, and they have about six defenders hurt right now. They have plenty of things that are going into Heath's point. When you don't have that quality of center back or that quality back line, it can really hurt you because half mistakes turn into goals and whatever it may be. So, so Leeds are going to have to figure it out. I, he's been there long enough. It seems like they've got a nice mutual respect on, on both sides, but sometimes he is unpredictable in terms of when he wants to stay and when he wants to go. So I could just see Bielsa going, you know what? I'm done with this project. I'll, I'm going to resurface somewhere else. He won't yeah, maybe, even maybe the Bundesliga like, in two years. He won't even say it. It'll be like three in the morning and his house will be <laughs> like, empty. I'm out. I'm out. So, so I don't know. I'm worried for Leeds a little bit. Obviously having Bielsa in the top division, I think is, is very cool. And he's a great personality. And super you have a point, no wins, three draws, three losses. Yeah. It hasn't, it hasn't been great. I mean, seven, seven goals only for a team that does score a lot of goals, seven goals in six games. Isn't great. Giving up 14. So, so they have some work to do. I'm not that worried about them, but just something to keep an eye on because if that doesn't get better quick, I wonder about Bielsa's motivation because we have seen him in the past. And usually it's due to some relationship issue behind the scenes. And this is a little bit more based on performance on the field, which usually it isn't about, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to split it between Pochettino and Ronald Koeman. I don't know if the Koeman win with Levante was good because Laporta mm. wants him out no matter what. So I'm just wondering if he's waiting. So why for they him hire him then? That's what I don't understand. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, oh, that's okay. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. And the second part is, I believe that Pochettino, I, you know, it, it, yeah, this yeah. would be a difficult thing to to do. So, and Laporta didn't hire an Okuman, if you remember as well. No, no, I know he didn't. So, all right, uh, let's see here. We are done. With Kegolazo Weekend Rica. We want to thank everybody for watching and listening. Follow the Kegolazo podcast on Twitter, Kegolazo Pod. Subscribe to the Kegolazo podcast on YouTube. <laughs> and hit that <laughs> notification bell. And of course, subscribe to Kegolazo <laughs> wherever you get your. I feel like I'm being pulled over. Like, I <laughs> Can I see your uh, license? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you um, have a driver's license, Luis? No. I didn't think so. I've got a learner's point. Why, though? Why? I'll <laughs> tell you that story another day. Uh, Heath Pierce, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Jimmy, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Guys, have a great, great beginning to your week. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.